What's up, world? You are now listening to the Power Post Game Report, where we talk about every episode of Power Season 2 of Ghost. We're right now, we're dealing with season, oh, season, no. We're dealing with episode, this is seven, right? Number seven. Number seven, Forced My Hand. I, of course, am always one of your co-hosts, Triple D, and with me, as always, is... This is Carlos D, and off the break, I'm going to apologize to y'all. I... It was a long day. I'm a little bit buzzed. I got a little, I got a little, if I'm slurring, it's, it's, it's the liquor. It ain't me, but I'm here. I'm committed to it. I'm a professional and we will get the show recorded tonight. My bad. If I sound weird, that's all good. I've already been slurring in the intro, so you're good. And I'm right here with you. All right, so <laughs> right, we're here for episode seven and wow. I think just to get it out the way, I think because of, the, the flagship show, book one, and a little bit of last season, um, there being, you know, extended breaks and the flagship show not necessarily keeping up momentum after their midseason breaks. This one, they, they got it right this season because not only did we come back with, you know, heavy hitting moments last week in episode six with all the pieces being uh, shifted around. This episode was all gas, no breaks. Like, they are not dropping the momentum because they know we only got a few more episodes left before this season is over. Uh, what, how, what did you feel about this episode? Agreed. I think it was another strong episode. I think it was not as good as episode six, but still strong and kept the momentum going. Um, so uh, every episode is not going to be like, at the ultimate peak because that's just not how TV shows work. There's a flow to TV shows that they're, especially if they're doing a good job of like setting up a story um, that they can't always have like 10 out of 10s across the board. Uh, but if last week number six was a 10, this is maybe a slight decrease when it comes to like a 9.5, a little bit lower. Um, just because I think I had some, epi- some scenes that, uh, and it might be just kind of my own personal opinion when it comes to certain characters that I just don't care about. Um, and when they give those people a lot of screen times and I'm, I'm specifically talking about the professor, you know, any, anytime I'm not liking something on the show, Zuzi had to deal with Milgram, uh, uh, what's her name? Milgram? Am I no. tripping? Milgram. That's usually was kind of the slowdown part. So they had a couple of as Milgram episode, uh, scenes in the episode that I wasn't really f- fully feeling, but for the most part, uh, when it comes to the main characters, meaning Tariq and the Tahada family, anything, anything dealing with those two was still a plus a one. Um, so I liked it. So I, I'm ready to get into it. Uh, so, you know. Well, let's go. Let's get it. All right. Off break. We get some father and son bonding time <laughs> with Lorenzo and uh, Drew. And uh, Drew's back. Down goes Kino. Drew with the uh, with the eagle shot, like the eagle eye shot. Putting in work, like, man. Was that his bad arm? Was that the arm he got shot in? I don't know if it was his bad arm or what. And I, I don't know if this is the first time we actually seen Drew put in like murder work when it comes to like, you know, yeah. wet work. Um, you know, we know that he was a Tahada. I mean, but it made it before this, it mainly seemed like Kane was, and they kind of talk about it in this one, the guard dog. Uh, I think somebody makes a reference to him being like the, the, the guard dog or the, or the, the pit bull for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but so this was the first time we see another point member of the Tahada family really putting in that work and he did it. Uh, the only, the only bad part I like about this entire scene was, was well, two things I don't like about the scene. Uh, the first part of it is I feel like they keep going to this cliche and not doing not just this show, but shows in general. It seems like they always catch the person fucking, you know, <laughs> that they kill. It's like somebody's always caught up having some sex. And I think they've definitely done it in their power. I think this is also how we lost um, 
what's the dude uh that was uh god damn from the first book ah latino dude that was in charge of oh uh julio i feel like julio also got caught yeah involved literally with your pants yeah, yeah yeah so i feel like they always go to this cliche of somebody's in the middle of some throes of passion and some sexual activity and they end up quitting court with like literally with their pants down and end up getting killed so that was a little bit too cliche for me uh and then the fact that um and it's something they correct actually later in the show the fact they're not wearing masks it's like who goes into a scene where they know they're gonna commit some murder and they just got their broad face bare um and, and you see how it plays out through the course of the scene is that when the scene starts they bust in they kill Kino, which is no problem uh but they also are forced to kill his romantic partner his girlfriend whatever it is because like lorenzo tells drew if i had done it it would have been no big whoopee but the fact that she's seeing your face that leaves you liable for i mean leaves you open to some type of blowback so we had to finish all loose ends uh so if you know that would have been an easily resolved that they had just worn masks uh, you know, criminals don't have to be stupid. Why would you do a murder in front of a possible witness and not cover your face or cover your identity? Uh, so those are the only the only two parts of that scene that I didn't like was the fact that, of course, they do the cliche he's having sex, he get court, and then they don't wear masks. Um, but at least at least they made a statement about that and they kind of uh addressed the fact that uh the masks were the fact that the identities were known were an issue, and that's why they had to eliminate the second party of that. So what'd you think of that one? Uh, pretty much the same. I think, I think Lorenzo intended on killing everyone in, mm -hmm. in you know, in, in the presence because, you know, song says, you know, mask on, they coming for your ice, no mask off, coming for your life. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like how it showed that, like, just like you said, Drew, no hesitation. Well, I mean, no hesitation, but at the same time, he still kind of has, um. A bit of a conscience, a bit of a soul, because you know he he was willing to let that girl go. But as we've said in this game, and as you know, made evident in uh, literally book one, episode one, um, sometimes those loose ends will come back to bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. um, as, as you know, the girl that Ghost let go, let let get away, came back in the last season to you know, kind of mess things up. Uh, but you know, we see Drew understanding that like you you can't exactly be mr compassion in this line of work um, so from there we get a really quick but interesting scene uh a woman by the name of evelyn is looking for frank uh frank was the guy who was, was that like the literal first episode of season one it was, was the episode one or two. two it was one of the first episodes of season it wasn't this year it was the the first part of season one or two i believe they introduced the uncle frank um, and he ended up being a snitch that Kane took out, but, uh, it, it was, a. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with it long-term because it's like, yeah. do you bring this woman back? And, um, you know, no, nobody on the show was like, they're not Denzel Washington. So nobody on the show is like an A-list actor, but I've seen her in a lot of stuff. I remember her first from yeah. New York undercover was where I, you know, know her the most from, but she's an actress who, you know, you got a little bit of sway when it comes yeah. to like a, a face and a, and a name and you might not know the name but it's a definitely a face that you know so to bring her in for just such a quick episode and not have any type of extra add on to that uh seems a little weird um so i'm thinking that they're building up some type of long-term story when it comes to frank's widow and uh maybe she'll have some type of less than an impact or she'll come back later down the line uh, but it was right. a real quick scene um and, and i think and I'm assuming that, you know, that I'm just, you know, I don't know if Frank is one of those uncles where, you know, how sometimes in the black community, 
everybody's your uncle just because they tight to the family or is he legitimately Lorenzo's brother? Um, so, you know, I'd like to see how that's going to play out long term. Uh, but like I said, it was a quick scene. Uh, she basically came and said, I'm looking for my husband. He told me he was coming to see you and I haven't seen him since. Um, and then Monet kind of does the thing that a lot of people do in these situations where to me, if I'm not guilty of something, I'm not giving no, no payoff money. I'm not saying, oh, well, sorry for your loss. But she was quick to offer, you know, a stack of money uh, to hopefully, and I think in her words was to make your family whole. Uh, and if you ain't the person that is responsible for your family having a gap in it, then why do you need to make anybody whole? Um, but maybe that's a street thing. You know, we, I'm not, you know, we, you know, streets is not nothing that I'm currently involved in. Uh, so I don't know if that's just something you do when somebody who is a part of the streets show up missing and you just feel like you got to do right by them. Uh, but that was a weird interaction. And I'm, um, wondering if we're going to see that character again down the line. I feel like we have to, and you're absolutely right. You know, the payoff money, um, it definitely makes her look guilty, especially coming off of the dialogue they wrote for her that it borderline, she borderline confesses to knowing that Frank is in guilt. Like the laying out of the rules, like, you know, like, you know, when people get in this life, you know how it is. It was just kind of like her to a degree saying that, yeah, I know Frank is dead, but he is a part of this, you know, he's a part of this life and you know how, how the rules are, of this game goes. Uh, but without saying, I know Frank was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I it, when she popped up, I was like, who is she? Like, I know this face. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. New York undercover. And uh, I meant to look her up, but time just kind of got got away from me. So um, from there, speaking of, uh, you know, well, I almost, I almost skipped over something. We get a real quick meeting between Tariq and his lawyers. And uh, we find out that there is footage of Kane killing Ramirez. Mm -hmm. uh, super convenient. I, I, it was kind of like one of those. I understand we need it, but like at the same time, it, it just kind of, it feels like it magically appeared. Oh, by the way, there's uh, a view from this random, seemingly abandoned lot that had a camera and caught exactly what we needed. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel anything about that as far as, you know, the janky lawyers giving Tariq his marching orders are like, look, you know, this is the deal. Um, we can get you off for, we can kind of get you off for this Ramirez killing, but you have to, you know, you have to tell us who you got to snitch. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that scene? The biggest thing is this, that I took out of the scene was that Sachs finally believes Tariq. Uh, you know, he's so gung-ho against his family and, and, and adamant that, you know, his his whole mission in life is to take down James St. Patrick, which was Tariq's dad, and in the aftermath of anybody else that is a St. Patrick. Because uh, he tried to take down Tasha. He tried to take down Tariq. You know, uh, so so it was, it was kind of a shock to see that he was actually wouldn't have believed that Tariq wasn't involved in the situation once he saw this video. Um, but yeah, it, it is really convenient they actually have the the uh, the murder on tape, and it kind of made me try to. I didn't go back and actually watch the episode, but it made me kind of think back to the when Kane killed Lorenzo, uh, not Lorenzo, uh, killed Ramirez, and I couldn't remember if he had like a mask on or a hood on or whatever it may be. Um, but apparently, his face is clearly not known in this video. Um, but the biggest thing I kind of took out of it was just like Sax was finally like maybe he didn't do something wrong and I, and he is committed to kind of getting them off. But when Tariq is, might finally be innocent, of course, Tariq is not doing everything he can to assist in that prosecution. I mean, sorry, in uh, his uh, defense. Um, and it, it's also coming about it later on when uh, I think Sax makes even I don't know if it was this scene or a later scene when Sax says like 
he finally might not be guilty of a crime, but he's not doing anything to help us get him off. And I can't remember if it was this scene or a later scene with the two, uh, what do you call them, janky lawyers, shanky lawyers, I can't remember what you call them. Uh, uh, so th th that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, uh, janky lawyers are, mm -hmm. you know. I think even, I think, I'm sorry, but I think even, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think even at some point, Davis even tells him, look, you're not from the streets. You don't know what the street life is. And yes, he could probably say, easily say who it was and get himself off, but he still has to deal with the ramifications of snitching on somebody. And it ain't, you just snitch on somebody, they go to jail, and your family is safe from harm throughout eternity because the one person that you snitch on got away. Snitching is bigger than just me telling that, you know, Triple D did something. Uh, if Triple D has people and connections, uh, me, snipping, me snitching on Triple D might be in the, my, the end of my life, even if Triple D is locked behind the bars for the rest of his own. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, what I was about to skip over to earlier was, um, speaking of losing time, we get, uh, we get Drew and, um, and Lorenzo back from their, their bonding. And Monet's been waiting off the henny. Miss <laughs> uh, Skinner. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was, I like how when they have like clear bottles, they kind of turn them to the side, but we all yeah. know that's henny. Like they right. didn't have the label facing forward because I guess henny did, Hennessy didn't pay them. So I had the label facing forward, but we clearly know she drank it off we some do. henny. Exactly. Uh, we get the kind of the, well, another heart to heart where she she's really adamant. Like, she wants out, not just for her, but for everyone, you know. Um, she's tired of this life. She wants more, you know. And she even tells Lorenzo, like, hey, you know, we can we can make a new hustle off of Zeke and, you know, work for him. Which I was like, okay, this might kind of help her to a degree. Because up until this point, he knows about the whole plan to try and, like, become Zeke's new team. But until she told him, he wasn't a part of that plan. Mm -hmm. um, so for her coming to him directly and saying, like, hey, maybe we could do this instead, I thought that was an interesting choice, um, which, who knows, maybe that for him is like, okay, I can trust you, even though, you know, up until this point, I thought you were trying to sneak out on me, which he was. Um, but he, he makes it very clear that, like, nah, I'm not living off of another man. I make my own way, and I'm going to do for my family my own way. Um, and she's she's stuck. Like, what did what did you think about that scene? I, I looked at this two ways. One, um, the fact that she was so concerned about Drew getting involved in the life, or her um, Zoe putting, not Lorenzo putting his son at risk. But when she has been putting her all three of her kids at risk, it's not like she sheltered them from this lifestyle, and all of a sudden Lorenzo was home, and now he's forcing them to the lifestyle. This is the same lifestyle she had been putting off on them. Uh, so now it, it's just kind of an odd situation now that she's not the person to control how all of a sudden she wants to save her children or be protected her children from a lifestyle um so i, I thought that was a, a, a our situation and then uh, the same thing as far as ego ego is the downfall of so many men uh because she's right like if you're looking at it with a rational mind bruh as far as lorenzo goes he just spent 10 years in jail and could have been in jail for the rest of his life because of this game and now she legitimately is offering him a way out, but because his ego and his manhood is telling him that he can't live his life without being the top dog or like the one that's calling the shots, he can't go into a life of 
where they could probably still just live. You know, they might have full access to Zeke's money, but they would have a, a comfortable life. Zeke would take care of him because uh, that's the plan. And he can't kind of just fall into that because of his own ego and the fact that he has to get it, uh, I, I, you know, get it himself as opposed to give it, give it, be given a handout. Um, so it, it was kind of like a two for a world. Like, I, I think this is kind of going back into what you always talk about when it comes to ghosts starting in season one. His whole goal was to get out this game. Um, but he just never really was able to find an avenue to get out the game. In this case, Monet has found an avenue that could possibly get them out of this game, but she can't take advantage of it because her man's ego won't allow her to do it. Um, so, so I'm starting to feel more on the line of Monet when in the first season and the majority of even this season, Monet was just kind of like this heartless, you know, uh, I'm gonna call her a bitch, but, uh, you know, for lack of better words, kind of like a heartless person that was all about, you know, the end game. Uh, now she actually has a legitimate chance to get out of this and then she's not allowed to do it because of the insecurities of her partner. Um, so I, I you know, it, this scene really made me feel for her. What you think of it? Pretty much the same. And it, it'll lead into the classroom scene, which we'll get into um, in a little bit. But yeah, it's it's pretty much everything you said. Like, to go from making all the decisions to having someone making your decisions for you without your input in literally over a night, like, has to be mentally and emotionally devastating. For mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't you know we don't mince words she ain't the, she ain't the greatest mother um but like just as a person like i don't feel like she deserves this level of kind of i don't want to say mental abuse but like this kind of mental and emotional uh almost like kidnapping it, you know she she got literally came home one day and everything she knew she got yanked up and is now at is pretty much at the mercy of him, mm -hmm. um, and has you know her input is kind of being taken into consideration, but he's still very much in charge. Um, but yeah, that we we see we'll see how it how it unfolds in the future. Uh, from there, we get a very quick scene with Tariq finding the gold. Ah, uh, yes, nothing has become more kryptonite. To white men in power than an old picture of them in blackface and it seems like many of them got one <laughs> uh sweeney is is they don't show it but i feel like they're going to and it's going to it's going to be a meme i just know it um but Tariq finds what he needs and Braden, understandably and they're they both had their points um yes his family is pretty terrible, but at the same time, it's still his family. Um, and it's kind of hard for him to just, like, kind of shit on them for, for someone else. Because he knows they're flawed, horribly flawed, but they're still his family. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of, well, the way the scene played out, I was like, I can't believe he immediately you know, betrayed Braden like that, especially after the events of, you know, the last episode. But I am glad that he was like, look, I'll give it to you, but you need to make sure this doesn't fall on the Westons, which I, I applaud him for standing up like that. But as we've seen, Tate's grown impatient, and he want what he wants. Yeah, Tate definitely is on one. Um, and this is actually my favorite part of Tate when it comes to this, because, you know, normally he's always playing that politician role, 
But when he's by himself and he's with especially another black person, he quick to go into hood mode. Uh, so when Tate was like, look, man, I don't care about none of what you're talking about. Uh, protect your roommate. You still haven't delivered on anything that I've asked for you and I've been delivering on you. I need I need the results. So save your friendship. Save all that bullshit you're talking. What can you do for me? Because I've done a lot for you. So what did you think of the, uh, that quick scene? It, it was great because like, just like you said, like when Tate wants what he wants, he drops all. Code switch is off. Is <laughs> <laughs> like nigga stop playing with me give me what i want like i'm only here because i need something otherwise i would not care about you but also you need me because i've been the only one that's really been helping you outside of your lawyers for real for real and i'm not even asking for money right i just need you to give me some dirt and that's true uh, I, I mean for all you say about tate uh if he makes an agreement with you like he, he's a, a dirty scoundrel when it comes to being a politician and doing what's best for his interests as opposed to his his people that he's elected for um, but he does he does provide results, and in this so far in in the course of at least season two, he has delivered everything he's promised. He helped him get Yasmin back, and he also helped him get a lawyer that will help him get bail. So Tate has been delivering, and Tariq has already held up his end of that bargain. So I, I like to see where that's going to go, and I think this may set up what you said. And you talked about it before. You, we know he's getting a spinoff at some point, and all the stuff that's dealing with Tate is kind of setting up that long term spinoff. This gives way to the classroom scene, which pretty much encapsulates what this episode is about. But before we get to the the lessons of this week, we got to talk about Tate still being shady and hilarious. <laughs> when <laughs> everyone did the, oh, what's he doing here, look. And Professor Milgram's like, how in the world did he make bail? And Tate just gives that, I have no idea. I haven't the foggiest of ideas, madam. Like, like he knows damn well. He had a hand in it, and mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious that she picked up on it pretty quickly. Um, but this, the today's class discussion, which again, focus, you know, the whole episode is kind of focused on, is people making decisions for other people, um, and it's it's pretty much Monet's life right now. Um, we see it with Drew when his. In the beginning, when the guy did, when uh, when Lorenzo decides to kill the girl, even though he had already decided like to let her go, mm-hmm. um, pretty much Tate deciding that uh, Braden's family means absolutely nothing in our endeavors, even if you know. So that that kind of he decided for Tariq that you're going to get me this picture because you want your you want your sister back. I'm the only one that can do that. Um, and so on and so forth, as as we'll see. Uh, we get jabs left and right from Milgram trying to get, you know, uh, Tariq to kind of put himself out there, to Lauren throwing jabs back at, um, at Professor Milgram, to Professor Milgram shutting down Tate with his, his politician speech. And, you know, politicians will make promises because that's how they get what they want, her putting two and two together. Um, what did you feel about that scene? Oh, yeah, the cattiness in the scene is just so catty. Lauren and her little comments under her breath, everybody trying to check the other person. Uh, and this also kind of leads back to why Milgram shouldn't have been so adamant in the episode before that Tariq was guilty. Uh, she thought it cause he never was coming home, but now she has to kind of deal with the fact that she's still his teacher, he's still a student, and we really do live in the world of innocent or guilty. 
Like she never thought he was gonna be back in the class, and now she really has to properly manage him as a authority figure, and, and, and can't be spitting all that shit she was talking about the week before. But like he's guilty, he's going to jail. Um, so I think she was caught on guard, of course, like you said. Um, and then I think everybody is kind of like just kind of reeling from the fact that he's back, and they really don't know how to address it. Um, and you saw throughout like the different students, they didn't really know how to. You know, they didn't really bring it up, but they also was an uneasiness in the class about it. And then she even showed her hand when it comes to Carrie, because her immediate question was directly towards Tariq. Uh, she was trying to figure out, you know, his thoughts on something uh, when a week before she was telling him that he was basically trash and he would, the rest of the class would never see him again. So we don't need to talk about him. Um, so, you know, it was a quick scene, but it was an interesting scene. Uh, and and, and I'm, I, I always like these um, classroom scenes uh, just because I remember college, of course, and, and just kind of the dynamics of this. Uh, so I, I like when they get into these discussions, um, especially when it directly ties into the, the overall story arc of the episode. So it doesn't feel like this scene is just a scene to have. It also kind of ties into, you know, kind of what the story talks about. And like you said, a majority, a good portion of this episode was dealing with people making decisions for you. And then you have to deal with kind of the ramifications of the decision as opposed to you be actively involved in the course of your own life. Uh, so I, I, I liked it. As, uh, you know, for the most part, I like this scene. Another major part of this scene that I almost forgot to mention is that Tariq puts two and two together after learning that Lauren's room was was searched mm-hmm. and um, they found drugs on her. She never said anything to him, um, and she she had an excellent point that like yes, he has indeed been keeping secrets from her, um, although she has no idea those secrets were to protect her and give her deniability. Uh, she still is kind of, you know, in the right when it comes to like, yeah, well, you, you've been keeping things a mystery for me from, from mm-hmm. the jump. Um, and again, he dumped her. Uh, but, you know, at some point he's going to put two and two together that like, or if he doesn't put two and two together, he'll find out in court that he got busted, unfortunately, because of the wire she was wearing. Right. And I think that's going to come out when she when she testifies. Which is gonna be if she does, yeah. yeah. Like, cause, cause she doesn't know what her his her lawyers clearly know, and we see how that plays out. The fact that they know about her throughout the course of this, the rest of this episode, right? Uh, so it's gonna be a real interesting dynamic when when everything hits the fan. Um, so from there, we get the return of Paula, <laughs> and the episode is oh, not the episode. Excuse me, this scene is capped with my initial thought when they reintroduce Paula. Damn, I knew. I remember Paula being bad, but damn, like I don't know where she was going to, um, or coming from. But goodness, would you like to get into that scene with uh Paula and Davis? Yeah, yeah. So this was like fuckboy one on one. If you ever been uh involved in that lifestyle, and you know I'm reformed now, but I've had my moments in my life where I, I, I've you know messed up, either messed over women or messed up with women and I try to use that charm or you know my charisma or whatever it may be to kind of get off and she wasn't playing no games when it came to that David thought he can come in sweet talker and have her in the palm of his hands and she quickly and, and before it looked like they was kind of heading towards that and it was like a light store twist but she was like Davis you full of shit I know you full of shit and I'm not gonna be the one to help you do your unethical and shitty behavior um so uh, it, it, I'm glad that he didn't get the easy way out and just kind of let his charm lead her to kind of folding in line. She stood up and said, look, uh, you, you still not winning your wedding ring. You still off this game and stuff. 
And for me, I'm not going for it. And and you know not to include me in this mess because even if I did want to help you, put me on the stand, it's not going to work out for, in Therese's favor. Because if I have to admit, while I was talking to Tariq, then I got to admit the fact that he killed his father in a previous scene. Um, so, you know, as a reformed person who doesn't dabble in that type of stuff, I, I like that Davis got his, um, I don't know if it's cop, you know, cop. I don't know if I'm saying the word. What is it? He got humbled. Yeah, he did definitely, definitely, definitely got humbled in this scene because he thought he was gonna play that charm, give her a little smile, uh, you know, you know, you know, flex a little bit because you know Method Man has been in shape a lot lately, and I always condemn up, I always condemn anybody that's looking good for their physical fitness and their health, um, but it didn't work. Um, so I, you know, all I can do is applaud Paula. And back to your original point, yes, she was looking good in that scene, and when she walked away, that ass and the white pants, and I know we're not supposed to sexualize women. But I can't help it sometimes. Mama was looking good. Uh, we just gonna quote the quote it. He said it, matter of fact. Yeah, he said that's a, he he knew. He knew. That's a bad bitch right there. <laughs> and I was like, I, yeah. Yeah. The only person I felt bad for was whoever had to clean up that drink. I was like, I always hate that. I was because like, like she I understand where she was coming from, but you I mean all she hurting is the poor waiter that got to clean up that mess. <laughs> exactly. Not, like his, and they show him in the next scene buffing his shoes. Uh, but all you're really doing is making a mess for the poor waiter and not Davis. And um, that poor bartender who had to watch. Like, what the, like I would have just gave you water if you was, if I'd have known you was going to do that. Mm-hmm. I could have drank that. <laughs> but collateral damage, I guess. Um, so we from there, he goes back. Lick, not necessarily licking his wounds, but strikes out, and um, we we get their next plan. We, mm-hmm. we got to put Yaz on the on the stand, which Tariq feels is a, a bad idea for multiple reasons, but more so she's a nine year old girl. Mm-hmm. She you know she shouldn't have to be put through this. Yeah. Um, we get the revelation that Sax has seen Lauren. And uh, waits till you know, waits till Tariq leaves to be like, yeah, no, um, she's gonna be testifying. She's, mm-hmm. They're definitely gonna be calling her up. Um, anything on that before we before we move on? I think this just really goes back to showing that Tariq isn't a full on monster right now, cause he he still is concerned about his sister's well being, and he knows that the the courtroom and the stand is no place for a nine year old child. Um, even though she, even if she can't help him. It's not going to be in her best interest to be up on that stand. So he shows that he still has a heart. Um, and, and while he has messed over a lot of people and lied and, and killed and did all he can to protect himself, that he does at least put his sister above all else. Um, so I think that's still, uh, if nothing else, a positive moment for Tariq and one for that he still might possibly be a good guy at some point, Carla. So that was the biggest thing I got out of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get Drew finding out that Ramirez's badge was planted in um, Tariq's room. At this point, I didn't know whether or not I, we know Monet and Kane know, mm-hmm. but did Drew know that Tariq got arrested? I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Tejada family found out at some point, but I don't know if it was like I, I'm gonna say I'm assuming that he did know because also uh, Diana knew. 
And then did, I can't remember. I know him and Everett was talking about. So, no, they talk about it. They talk about it in the scene because Everett was saying that, aren't you glad Zeke isn't his roommate anymore? Right. They did. They did discuss it briefly. So they know Tariq was arrested. He didn't know the fact that about the badge and stuff. That's something, he, you know, kind of lucked up on as far as the, the eavesdropping. Uh, but he did know Tariq had been in jail at that point. Okay. So we get the return of uh, Detective Whitman, who I, I think he's been missing like the past maybe two episodes, mm -hmm. um, maybe last episode. But um, pressing, knocking at people, knocking on people's doors all hours of the night, uh, asking about you know Zeke and the gangbangers that roughed him up that night, um, and like like he said. Like Drew said, you know, he'll be back. This isn't over. Mm -hmm. But uh, any, any I got to applaud Everett. The, the, uh -huh. He's the first person in this series, at least this season, who appropriately handled a police interaction. You, And this is a PSA. You don't ever have to talk to the police. Uh, it don't matter if they come to your door in the middle of the night, unless they are arresting you. And even if they, even if they are arresting you for something, you never have to talk to the police. There's no rule that you have to ever cooperate with law enforcement. You don't have to help them with any investigation. And Everett was the first person to kind of just shut it down. Look, I don't know shit. I don't want to talk to you. And I'm not going to talk to you. And then the cop left because they don't really have much option. He can't arrest them. He can't bring them into the station because he don't have nothing on them. And you don't have to talk to the police. Anytime you ever talk to the police, it's voluntarily something that you choose to do, but you're never um, forced to talk to it. And I think he was the first person in at least this season that handled that appropriate, handled the police interaction appropriate. Don't say shit. Shut them down and force them to arrest you, basically. And even if they do arrest you, you still don't say shit to them. Um, so that, that was the biggest thing I got of this. And, and then, of course, we know that Drew learns um, a secret uh, that wasn't known to everybody else. And, of course, he ends up kind of using that as a, in a later scene. But applause to Everett, if nothing else. Wait, what was the secret? Uh, about the badge. He knows that a badge oh, was planted oh. in this room. Right, right. Okay. Well, wait. Well, Monet knows that. No, no, no. He didn't know. I'm not saying it's a secret to, to the entire cast, oh, okay. but okay. it was a secret okay. to him. And it later comes back into another episode when he's talking to his brother. Okay. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, so from there, we get... This was the moment I was like, oh, right. We've only got like three more episodes after this. Like, they're, they're not playing around. Mm -hmm. Because Mecca says, fuck it. <laughs> and walks straight up to... to uh, not three. To Zeke, mm -hmm. who, again... Why all on the basketball court <laughs> just shooting just free throws randomly in an open basketball court ironically no one else around him which i'm sure that was that was covid shooting um you know keeping people unnecessary extras out of the shot mm -hmm. but still like i highly doubt and in a, an nba did i say NBA, nfl earlier yeah, NBA. Wow. NBA. okay an nba prospect is going to be just out at a random park and not somewhere controlled Taking, you know, playing it safe. Um, but you know, you need a story. But yeah, Mecca says, Yeah, no, no, no more sneaking around, no more mystery, and just <laughs> tries to lay it on Zeke. I'm your daddy. Your foot is oh, you know, what, like I have one is half size big another, yeah. He, yeah. And he's like, it runs in the family. And Zeke looking confused and goofy as ever. <laughs> I swear, I, I swear, I don't know. I can't tell if this guy's the greatest actor of all time, or he's just a plum dumb fool. I uh, think he's a decent actor. I think the joke has kind of it's tainted the character now, because now it's almost all you can see. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. 
I don't think he's like I think it's become so much of a parody and like, you know, there's people on TikTok and Instagram doing their their impersonations of him. I think it's it's become so big that it's it's kind of tainting his character a bit. Like I feel like he is a you know it makes him look like a big dumb idiot, but like he's just kind of a a not as sharp textbook jock. But like I feel like sometimes it 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 gets lost in, you know, the memes and you're you're expecting him to make wanna see him make these faces so you you know, the next person can can make their their reenactment video. But it's like a lot of his responses make a lot of sense when you think about his his position in all this. Um you think about and like you also have to look at he's been all through this this crazy stuff this past couple of days and then some random dude not only pops up and tells me he's my father he's actually making a bit of a convincing argument mm-hmm. um so like later when you see that he's about to you know try and go talk to his mom it's like with everything he's been through like it kind of you can't fully fault him for it mm-hmm. and this but, uh, this you, also think, go ahead I'm sorry, it, it kind of like, I, I see, I thought his mom was gone for some reason. Like, he clearly has a mother that raised him. Um, but I, I, And that's another thing where I don't think they would, maybe I wasn't paying attention fully, or or they didn't do a good job of like spelling it out. Um, I thought his parents were kind of out of the picture totally. Um, but the fact that he still has a mom, um, that, that was kind of something that came up to this thing. But I was also shocked by Dante's, um, why, why not get the whole story? Like, what stop? like, he's willing to go to the point where he's, Saying I'm your dad, I'm exposing it. Why not expose Monet? At this point, Monet has already told him he's cut off. He has nothing to lose. And if he's gone to the point where he's so bold that he's going to tell him that he's his dad, why not just tell him the full story? Uh, but for some reason, maybe he still has a soft spot for Monet. Maybe he think it's not his story to tell. And maybe he is really committed to just being a part of his son's life as opposed to blowing up the whole situation. Uh, so that's that, that was something I was kind of wondering as far as this scene plays out. Because he went out of his way to show the family connection with the two different size feet. Shows the thing that he has a tattoo with the Ezekiel um, Bible verse. Uh, but he didn't, you know, go full scorched earth and let the full secrets out of the bag. Um, but I think that's something that's definitely got to come in the next episode. Because Monet tried, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to that scene. Monet tried to cover it up. But she didn't really do the best job of really explaining it to anybody that has a rational mind as to why Zeke should stop inquiring about this thing. Now Zeke, I don't think he has a rational mind. Um, something seems something seems off about the boy. Uh, so maybe she thought that was enough. But I, I, go ahead. No, I was saying, but I, I, I'm curious to see how this gonna play out. But go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think that like what you said, I think he just wants to be a part of his, you know, of his life. Um. And I think you, you're absolutely right. I think the reason he didn't go scorched earth is because he genuinely does care about Monet. And he, despite the, the drug dealing and the killing, he he seems like a genuine dude. And he's just like, well, it's not really for him to tell that part, for one, just out of common courtesy. And two, that would probably had even made him more suspicious. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm your father. And your aunt's actually your mother. Like that would have that probably would have pushed him over the edge of like, nah, you're crazy. Get the hell away from me. Um, but more so, I think he just wanted to take care of the fact that like, yeah, I can't. And his 
although he his delivery was kind of smooth, you could tell it was kind of the it was a desperate act. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he's just like, look, this is gonna sound crazy, and it does, but I'm your father, and it was just literally, you know, it the 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 title of the episode comes up when he talks to Monet later. His hand was forced. So, you know, he felt this is what he needed to do. And, you know, he, he threw the Hail Mary. Um, but this scene goes, gives way to a really quick uh, Diana and Monet scene where she actually sees the text message between um, Dee, as he's listed in her phone, um, and Monet. And now she's got a little something, a little piece of uh, a leverage that she could possibly use. Mm-hmm. Um any anything on that or you want to re- just just to, we can, we go to that but just real quick monet just being petty as ever yeah. uh go red storm because <laughs> out my way little girl right she was, she was already sitting there still super nasty to her daughter uh because she's upset because of what she did and then i like how she's just doing the part of the shot of going red storm because diana is getting what she want she get she's getting kind of what she wants through her father being home but not fully what her want for she fully what she wants and all Monet can really do is be petty to her right at this point. Um, she's not gonna kill her daughter. She's not gonna do too much harm to her daughter. I'm sure to check her last episode. So that that was I was like all I got, all got in my notes is Monet being petty, like Monet only Monet can be. Um, so you know it was a really quick episode and cool episode. We can go to the next one though. <coughs> From there we get Professor Milgram spying on her class. Like what? Uh. What is happening? Like, yeah, I didn't even understand like, that part. Like, does she take like? I don't understand. They was like in some type of was she recording the room? Or were they in like some type of group chat? It looked like a group chat. Or yeah, like, but how did she get access it like to that it? Clubhouse app. Maybe, exactly. Maybe they, maybe they have to like. Well, no, there's no, there's no reason. Like, even if you're, I don't know. I didn't it, fully it, understand the the scene because I, I was like, I know she's listening to them talking, but I don't understand how she got access to whatever yeah, they were using to talk yeah yeah that was that was super strange and they'll pro- i don't know i got a feeling they're just gonna gloss over it and we're never gonna find out exactly why but the thing we the takeaway here is that rumors are spreading um people are starting to are starting to talk and her world is crumbling mm-hmm. um we get the dean who again this is the guy that just like hey I just want to. I just want to clean things up. That's why I'm here. Like the last person left because things are falling apart. I just want to, you know, clean things up. And I don't think you need to be at this here dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tate eavesdropping <laughs> comes to the rescue. Tate in his fucking uh, like he quick to pull sexism, racism. He is so skilled at pulling those things out of his ass to get what he wants. Um, and, and, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 but it works every single time. It's like no matter what Tate does, no matter how weird he is, he does have a way with words and a way with putting pressure on people to get the results that he wants out of it. Um, so I can all I can do is applaud him. Um, I, I you know I agree. To, you know, Carrie does have a lot of weird shit going on, and, and it probably isn't in her best interest with the rumors going around campus for her to speak in this mode. Uh, but but I can't do nothing but applaud Tate for standing up for a black woman. Like he, you know, he didn't have to help her out at all. He could have just stayed in the hallway and just said "fuck her." Um, but in this scene, and also in the later scene, it shows that Tate again. Tate isn't all bad because in this scene and also the later one, he doesn't have to support her. He doesn't have to give her any kind of words or anything to kind of keep her motivated. 
Um, but he goes out of his way to do it. Um, so I, this is one scene where I can say, is I know as shady as he is, he not all bad. Um, similar to with Tariq and his sister earlier. Um, so it's some redeeming values with him. And, and this showcases, this was showcased in this particular scene. Exactly. So from there we get Zeke rightfully freaking out. We, we already kind of talked about this. Fucking Zeke. Um, anything you want to talk about as far as, well, I mean, I feel like we, we kind of touched on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, no, just, her, just quick Monet, you know, I, I, I still don't see what her long-term game is. Uh, and why she just won't be, you know, honest with her child. Um, and Dante brings it up in the later scene. Um, like, is he somebody you really care about and you're ready to protect? Or is he just your retirement plan? Um, and I think he kind of throws that in her face when they had an argument. I don't know if this is before or after this scene, but they had an argument. Uh, okay. So, so I, I'm still curious as to what Monet's end game when it comes to Zeke. Does she really care about him as she care about her uh, as her other children and really just wants the best for him? Or does she just want to keep him as viable as possible because she knows this might be her possible way out the game? So what you think about it? It's it's pretty much everything you said. Um, in that argument that they they talk about, it comes up again. She made the decision for him. Like, he never had a say-so. Um, we find out that he actually didn't disappear on her. He got arrested and joined the military to, I guess, you know, avoid jail time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and he's very adamant of this. Had he known, he'd have been there. All right. But she took the decision away from him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, on the one hand, she gets the credit for, to a degree, raising um, Zeke. Well, until she didn't really raise him, though. She, right, she, right. Since she, she, she shipped them off. Yep. And it's like, she's, she's kind of judging him for not being there. But as illustrated, there was no way for him to know. Like, right. You got to remember this was the 80s or 90s exactly. and we didn't have the Facebooks and the Instagrams where you can kind of keep track of people's lives if you really want to go out of your way to do that. Um, and even the fact that she said the boy, he would have no, re- no reason to know this. And technically, she, I guess, she could be pissed because he didn't come back for her if they really had whatever their connection was. They clearly had some sort of connection and he didn't ever come back and say, hey, Monet, you know, fuck it, I'm in the army for four years, but you still who I want and I want to come back to it. Um, but you can't really blame him. You know, at this point, you gotta have sympathy for him because he's just a father who was never allowed to be a part of his child's life. And now that he knows that he has a child, he's fully committed to it. Yeah. Um, to being in this child's life, and he could have. And, and I also say he's, to me, I think he's been overly respectful when it comes to Monet. Uh, because to me, if that's me, I might have one conversation with her about like I want to be a part of my child's life, and she's not doing everything I can. I think she can to kind of connect me with my child. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what Mecca did a lot earlier. I'm just gonna go to straight up. Even if I leave Monet out of it, I'm gonna go to Zeke a lot earlier and say, "Look, I'm your dad. I understand that. I haven't been around, you know, for whatever reason. I haven't been around, but you're a part of me. I want to be a part of your life. Um, so I, there's no fault to me. Is there's no bad side in Mecca in this particular situation uh, when it comes to just wanting to be a part of his child's life. Um, so. I can't see any negative still when it comes to that. But um, what do you think of it all? Do, uh, do you uh, think Mecca is right? Do you think he is justified in going to talk to Zeke on his own? Or should oh yeah, he have it, kind of chilled? Oh, no, no, no. Like, he he was super he was super uh, right for doing that, especially after she reneged. Mm-hmm. Like, even if, you, even if you say, okay, I'm going to stay with Lorenzo, 
you still promise to let him see him. And mm-hmm. then you try to take that back. You talk about stay away from us. It was like, that's pretty much what, wait for it, forced his hand mm-hmm. for him to just be like, nah, I'm going to just go ahead. Like, I tried to be polite and respectful and let you do this your way and be patient, but you reneged on me. And now you're telling me I can't see him at all, which, you know, she don't know exactly who he is, but that don't, you know, that's not going to sit well with a dude like that. Um, so, yeah, he did what he felt he needed to do. He was like, you know, I've already seen this this kid a couple times at this empty park. No one's going to interrupt me because there's no one else at this park. I'm going to just walk up to him and see if he wants to play one-on-one on some uh, some he got game shit. Oh, I got to ask him um, if he wanted to play one-on-one. That's so funny. <laughs> right, which I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted to see that. Like, let's see how good of an actor this dude is. Can he, can he fake it or is he actually a baller? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Tough decisions. And speaking of tough decisions, we get Tariq meeting with probably my favorite reoccurring character, um, once, especially once Proctor went down. When Tamika enters the scene now, I feel like I'm seeing Nick Fury step on the scene <laughs> in a Marvel movie I wasn't expecting to see him in. Because mm-hmm. like they had the music swell up just a little bit, and it was like, yes, my trump card is here. Mm-hmm. Tamika Washington. Mm. And yeah, she's she's almost the Nick Fury of uh of the Power Verse. Um, she does have a very commanding presence when it comes yeah. to her time on screen. That's, yeah, especially once she got out of the uh the uh, the AUSA's office. You know what I'm saying? Started wearing what she wanted to wear. Her hair, like she want to have her mm-hmm. hair. Um, but yeah, uh, she she she's the only person that's like a hundred with Tariq. Like, look, I can get you a deal. It ain't going to be what you like, but it's going to be most the best for you. And I'm not asking for anything in return. Like, I, I'm generally, genuinely trying to help you, which it was ironic because to a degree, this is almost what Ghost was asking him to do at the end of book one. Mm-hmm. Go do you a few years for the crime you committed. You'll still come out and be in your 20s. And we, you know, we can, granted, Ghost was ridiculously high off this, you know, lieutenant governor thing that he had, didn't even have yet. But, like, this is, that's, I think that's part of the reason why Tariq shit on it later. Uh, because it's almost the same thing his father asked him to do, which we'll, we'll get to the, 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 the ghost slander that I, I really can't stand um, later. But um, it's it all boils down to like yes, this seems like a good idea, but again, going back to what McLean was selling sacks, according to the streets, none of that matters. His sister is out here unprotected, and his grandmother, although they're beefing, he loves her. She's out here unprotected. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you feel about that scene? Uh, I, yeah, so this was another. I thought this was scene was like well acted and well. Uh, still shows the good side of what's left in Tariq. I think Tamika did a good point of not only just talking about it, but oh, showing the ramification of what Ghost did. And if he wants to continue that life, lifestyle, what he, you know, it's probably going to lead to. She showed him the body of low bills. She showed him, uh, um, shit, what's La- I forgot what Laws Law's name is on the show. Uh, Tamika, uh, not Tamika, Keisha. Showed him Keisha's dead, her, her, her body. Showed, uh, uh, God damn, I'm fucking with everybody. I'm sorry. I'm fucking, uh, Tasha's boyfriend, the lawyer boyfriend, in the trunk of the car. She showed him all those videos. Silver. Silver. 
Yeah, she showed Terry him all Silver. Terry Silver. Terry Silver. She showed him all that. She was like, look, this is the ramifications of your dad being unchecked. And I'm offering you an opportunity to not go down that same path. Right now, you're hitting down that path. Um, but you can bounce back from this. You're still young. You're 18. Uh, I can get you a good deal. You do five years. You come out in 23. And then granted, he'll be a felon who is uh, admitted to being about a murder. Um, but you'll still be able to finish school, still have access to this money, and still be able to have a good life. Uh, but you've got to be willing to make a sacrifice. And that's what Tariq hasn't been able to do. Going back to, like you said, in, his, in the original series with his dad. His dad wanted the same thing for him. Look, I can protect you on this a certain set, but you got to make a sacrifice. you got to be willing to kind of pay for the crimes. And Tariq does not want to do that. Um, and then, but I also see Tariq's point of view. I, you know, it's one thing for you to say, okay, I'm a, you know, I'm a tell and I'm a, I'm only going to do light time, but I got a little sister to look after. I got a, a grandma to look after and I'm right now the only person that can offer them any type of protection. And why is it easy for you to say, oh, just tell and, and I'll be fine. Me telling they going to protect my sister and it's not going to protect the rest of my family. So it's not an easy decision for them to make. So in this particular scene, uh, I think it was well uh, acted by uh, Michael Rainey Jr., the, you know, the actor that plays Tariq. Uh, you can see really the, the kind of the, 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 uh, him being torn between two things in his face. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed this scene. I think it was not a very long scene, but I think it was a very powerful and impactful one. Uh, so what do you think about it? Pretty much everything I said, but to, to echo, he has definitely grown as an actor. Um, very, very much so. Um, the, the kid that plays Braden has also grown as an actor as well. He's not just, I mean, he does a good job of being the, you know, the slightly annoying, slightly less annoying white boy he was mm -hmm. when he first started out. Um, you see him growing in his, you know, the, the choices the actor makes and his deliveries and everything. Um, and, and that's saying a lot because you know how we feel about the actor, the acting on the show. That's yeah, not always the um, best. It's, it's gonna be tough was, at times. Yeah, the messed up part was she showed him like we know this. She doesn't know this, but she showed Lakeisha's body, and Ghost didn't do that. <laughs> right, uh, right. Her, his mom did that, but you know. But it was all no. Even, I, I think the point was to show the impact of Ghost, Ghost, Ghost's life choices. Because uh, Tariqa, did, you know, Ghost didn't kill Tariq, uh, well, I mean, Lakeisha, but Ghost being a part of this life was led to Tamika to, to, to or the, uh, shit, I can, why can't I remember this girl's name? Lakeisha ended up dying, even though we know Tasha killed her. Yeah. So, from there we go to the meet, the connect, the distro, and aside from Kane being a brat, this was smooth business. Yeah, and I'm confused. I'm I'm curious to what the long term end game is for Mecca in this, because uh, we 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 see Mecca has great resources. Why is Mecca still even messing around with Lorenzo? Why not just eliminate Lorenzo, which would eliminate Monet having an option other than him? Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to play out long term, because he got soldiers, he got fucking uh, basically a SWAT team, as we yeah. see in a later episode. Why not just put that SWAT team on Lorenzo and get rid of the competition? You can still have your drug and use Kane. Kane will still run the business and just get rid of the thorn in his side because he almost had Monet committed to a new life with him until Lorenzo got out of the jail. So, I think, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I think despite being a bit of a psychopath, he's not a full monster because I think he knows that. And I think this also goes to how much he cares about Monet. That like, yeah, I 
think you're absolutely right. He could easily take out Lorenzo, but I think what little bit of conscience he has probably doesn't want to kill King and the rest of those kids' father. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially with the revelation of him being a father. Um, so I think, I think it's just like, he's not, I think he has the, the capacity and I'm pretty sure if Lorenzo were to push him to it, I think he would definitely go for it. But like right now, I don't think he, he sees a need for it. Um, and I think a part of him wants it to be Monet's choice. Uh, mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on that? No, no, I think you, I think you set that up good. That's a good uh, point for your, um, Point of view from your end. All right, let's talk about this dinner. Oh boy! First of all, let so me start off with, with with Bruchandria. Girl, you can't have all that titty meat out at no damn memorial. <laughs> all that damn titty meat she had out. I didn't know what to think. I was like, "You're an adult woman. We're not sexualizing you. You know, you have every right to do with your body." But at the same time, I was like. This is a memorial, right? Like this isn't a gala. Like if this was like a like an alumni gala and like celebratory thing, let them things things. But like this is kind of a memorial. <laughs> All I saw was I said, God, that's a lot of titty meat. You know, <laughs> shout out to Lyshka and Keisha, whatever her name is, the actress who plays her. And I, I really, I, mean, I wish there was a way that we can kind of get more of her in this show. Like, and I know we're not gonna get only so much of her because she is. Just a student in this class, but I actually enjoy the scene she's in, um, and I wish they can kind of expand on her role. But I think it's, it's it'll be very difficult to do, uh, and not just because I want to see that titty meat. It ain't got nothing to do with that. I think she's actually a um, a good actress. She's a very good X factor in mm -hmm. this episode um, because it's it's probably the best executed. I I I'm just as intelligent as you are. And I refuse to code switch. Mm -hmm. um, now there are, you know, like I think, I think Lauren is also brilliant, but like she's not necessarily code switching. This is just who she is. This is just how she kind of was brought up. So she's a, a bit of a product of her parents, but she she still thinks for herself. And I don't think she has any like restrictions on her blackness. Whereas in Bushanji is also she's from a different lane of blackness, but it's it's also not restricted it's just coming from a different area and it's also brilliant and it's like yes i can be both and i there's no me trying to separate and give you each level like this is all of me so i i totally agree with you like more bruchandria to, to shake things up and you know more characters like this um but in that that initial messiness before the actual uh speech is given uh, Lauren makes a very, very common, a very, very good point that the common denominator in all this mess is her. When you say her, you mean, you mean Curry, yeah. Yeah, she is the common denominator in all these, these, these events. She was sleeping with Jabari, she was sleeping with Zeke, um, she taught Tariq. It's bad. Um, speaking of bad, the Westons. Such a terrible That's family. a fucked up family, bro. Oh my gosh. And now I is the sister young? Is that a is she's that a not even, sister? she's still in high school, apparently. Cause they was like uh they, they made a comment that like she'll be coming she'll be coming to um 
Um, I, I, Stan, my mind is all messed up. I can't even think of half of the stuff on the show. Uh, but yeah, they was like, um, and she made it clear. I, I can go up there and get, uh, what she said. I think I can get shoot up on stage or whatever it may be, and they still gonna let me in because when you have enough money, it doesn't matter what your actions are. If you pay, then you can play. Um, so I think she's still in high school. Uh, she's yeah. she's the youngest of the three. I I don't know why I thought she was older than um. Than Brady was older than Brady. No. So I'm gonna take this moment to, as I said, uh, you know, earlier in this season, that like is I asked if it was bad that um I kind of wanted Tariq to take down his sister. I didn't know she was still in high school. Mm-hmm. Although technically they should still be in high school, but you know, TV logic. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and redact that because I thought she was I thought she was like older. I thought she was in college just somewhere else. Hey, but it can uh, still happen. Tariq taking down everybody nowadays. So man, you never we'll know. That. Oh my god. We'll get to that. Um so the Westons are being terrible. But Tate with the squeeze play. Oh my not playing games. He got he got his magic bullet and he pretty much rolled up on Papa Weston was like, look, I got one in the chamber. I suggest you tell your boy to ask me not to shoot. And if you're lucky, if you do it right, you won't get caught in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. What did you think about that? And Braden, like, probably feeling betrayed. Although, well, no. He wasn't he there. He didn't hear that part of the conversation. He left. No, he was he was behind the, um. oh, wait, which conversation? The part, I don't think he heard Tate talking to his dad. I think he went to get some shrimp or something. Uh, he was involved in the early part of the conversation when the family was just talking, but he got up and left, and then Tate walked up. I don't think but he heard the part the about that. He did. He oh, he did? did? Okay, maybe I'm mistaken. He's on the other side of a column. He's on the other side of the column, and he's like, fuck. Okay, like, I didn't hear that part. I, 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 maybe him. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, that's him realizing that Tariq, and that's the issue. That they just had this um this heart-to-heart and this, you know, this open honesty. And Tariq has already betrayed his trust. He asked him not to go that route, and Tariq immediately went that route. Although he doesn't know that Tariq tried to tell him, like, look, don't get the Westons caught up in this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and this is this is on two levels of people making decisions for other people. Uh Tariq going to to Tate with that info, even though Braden asked him not to and to protect his family, and then Tate making the move on the Westons when Tariq asked him not to, mm-hmm. which it's like, yeah, he did give him a warning. Like, look, this is happening, but you know, I'm giving you a chance to save yourself. Tariq still probably wanted more insurance. How did you feel about that? And go ahead and get into uh, the speech. I mean, that was, I mean, you can't say nothing better. It was a smooth move. I take, uh, at this point, he still doesn't have the actual evidence, but he's aware of it. And if he can get the person to bow out gracefully before he has to put the trump card on him, he's going to do everything he can to do it. Um, and I think it, it's more like you're talking about use his influence on uh, Weston to influence the other guy to kind of get out of the way so it doesn't turn into a big fight. And he knows he has some type of thing. Um, and, I, and I also like, you know, I'm also going to laugh for anytime that uh, somebody kind of comes up on somebody who's like a dick. And the father has been a dick throughout the whole series. So when he was right. like, I don't respond to blackmail. And then he says, well, what about blackface? <laughs> you know, his face. Yeah, that was a nice little, you know, a, a, a good moment. So, um, you know, at points, Tate, Tate is annoying to me. 
Uh, but sometimes he does do right and, and, and says the right thing that, that kind of you can't help but be on this side. Um, and then the transition to the actual speech. At first, I thought that was kind of all in her mind when it comes to Carrie when she was out there because I was like, damn, these people being rude. So I was like, is she just kind of imagining these people talking about her? Uh, but I guess it was really going on. And people just openly mocking this woman while she's up there trying to give a memorial speech. So I'm like, damn, y'all are really some pieces of shit. This one up here trying to, uh, y'all all here is supposedly to honor this man's life. And as soon as this woman is trying to give some nice words about this man, y'all just openly just stop mocking her. Um, but it's well deserved. Uh, Carrie, uh, like Lauren was telling her, uh, you know, Carrie, for all she's taught to, you know, kind of be this upstanding professor and something, she is messy and involved in nothing but mess throughout the entire course of since we've met her through this show. And she just keeps getting herself deeper and deeper in a mess. And so why should I feel bad that they they kind of are mocking her uh, when I know how messy she can actually be? Um, did you did you feel like it was too much on Carrie? Uh, did you feel kind of sorry for her? Or did you just like, hey, this is what she deserves for the way she's acted? Um, I kind of walked the tightrope where it's like, yeah, she's the victim of her own, you know, her own decision making. Um but I felt like it was a bit much, um, especially like kind of having her crumble like that. And mm -hmm. again, this is this is on writing. Um, but especially, and then her own students being catty. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when she was yeah, like, "What she say?" That was uh, a bit much. Something about he had a big heart, and she said, "Was his heart in his pants?" Right. I was like, I was like "Girl, she up here. This your goddamn professor." Yeah. She got your future in her hands. She could fail you. And you making catty comments with her and within earshot of you. Yeah. Uh it was they I mean, he wasn't a great dude, but they really kind of dumped on his uh his memorial. Like that shit was shit on about it. Him. Like they didn't give a damn about him at all. Yeah, it was like it that thing was not about him at all. Um, but like, yeah, it was like it it also just on a realistic standpoint, I was like, man, like, it's messed up, and she's guilty of what she's guilty of, but it's like, you hear about male professors doing this shit all the time, and it's like, sometimes they get, they might get half of this scrutiny, or they'll just, like, kind of down-talk, like, well, you know, that's just what they do. Yeah, it's been in general, like, like yeah. you know, a guy can sleep with, you know, a thousand women, and, you know, he's just a player, and the girl sleep with two men, and she's the biggest, you know, whore in the world. So and everyone knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the funniest part about the scene was when Tate gets up and the dean was like, see, nigga, I told y'all she shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Like that was what killed. I had to rewind that. Yeah. And I thought his hands up. Like, I thought Tate was going to go up there and trying to save the moment. Like he was going to go I up there and so get too. But then um, I got to give, you know, if, as much as Kate is, is full of, you know, shitty, I got to give him his credit for going and supporting her. Um, cause he, you know, he didn't have to go out his way to kind of go to her and talk to her about redeeming herself and, and kind of bouncing back from all the mess that she was involved in. Um, he, he could have just been like F her. Uh, so I, I, you know, that was a positive for Tate in that column. Uh, the yeah. fact that he went and gave her that little pep talk. It was really well done. Too. It, it was, I mean, given the time, it was a, a little bit hokey, a little campy, but it was, it was needed. Uh, it was, it was definitely mm -hmm. needed for her to hear. Um, and it was just good to see, like, just two black people kind of supporting each other. Right. Um, and, and I kept waiting for him to, like, ask her for some pussy or something. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not going <laughs> to I kept waiting. I was waiting for it, too. I was waiting for it, too. 
Uh, because at first I was like, damn, he's not, they're not really going to do this to her. They're, they're going to make, they're going to make, um, make it even weaker by like using her addiction. Or they were going to slice kissing or something like that. Yeah. Right. But they're both messy and they both know they're messy. But like, I, 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 I appreciated that he was like, look, like you're a tough person. You'll get through this. Um, and I hope I'm right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She might throw it at him. We don't know with this show. Uh, because this this scene gives way to Tariq, and I I really appreciated Lauren. Although, like, this is a messed up situation, you could kind of see it's really quick. She did feel a little bad for Professor Milgram because, as we said, like men who get caught or are rumored to be sleeping with, you know students and other professors this this probably wouldn't have happened to them um but like when she runs off the stage you kind of see a little bit of concern on lauren's face even though you know she she still has the venom for her she's like damn like she she kind of didn't deserve that especially mm-hmm. when um dickhead older brother starts clapping <laughs> um but she goes to genuinely apologize to Tariq, which i thought was a really big move um and Tariq's still being kind of shady and a little salty and he might have messed up and made an enemy of her when he kind of dismissed her for Diana uh, what did you think about that before I get into my my feelings on Diana oh the next thing when uh, Diana shows um yeah yeah I mean I, I still don't understand why Tariq is so mad at, at Lauren um because at this point he doesn't know that she does has done anything to him uh at, at the most she has not been the most supportive girlfriend uh but only because but but it's like it's an impossible situation for her. You can't all of a sudden get arrested for murder and expect everybody to just be like, "Oh wow, that's no big deal." I support you fully when they don't know the all full facts, and he's openly admitted to not to keeping secrets from her. Um, then as far as you know, planner, uh, I, I I you know I don't understand where he comes from because it seemed like Lauren was the one he was the most into of the three. Um, um, so I I think he just is kind of a young kid caught up in hurt feelings. And it's easy to kind of shit on her and then to kind of really uh, deal with the the feelings that um, when he needed her most, she wasn't as supportive as he liked her to be. So, you know, that's kind of what I got out of the scene or him dissing her. So, so what's your thoughts on it all? Uh, pretty much the same. It's just like, you, you know, I think he's still using her brother's apartment, which is like she could be spiteful and get you up out of there. You're trying to use that as home base. Um, if I miss, if, unless I misread that last, in the last episode, but like, with everything you've been through, yeah, I, it, you know, you, you, you know, you need to feel your feelings, but also you, she's being genuinely like open about her, you know, what, where she came from with this. And you also got to understand that like, yeah, you going through some stuff, but like, you're not the only one going through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Her stuff ain't your stuff, but she still got stuff. And it doesn't, you know, you can't invalidate her stuff just because yours isn't her, you know, yours is more life endangering than um, is a bit what you perceive to be heavier than hers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this very brief but kind of big scene gets broken up by Diana, who comes by to pretty much vent about her family and probably yeah. doesn't know she's giving. She gave up all the tea. Yeah. Spilled all yeah. the tea. Which I was like, okay. She, she has no idea. Okay. 
let me you know how I felt if you guys if you're here listening for the first time you need to go get caught up at the very least go listen to last week's episode and how I was kind of I was open about how I was not a big fan of Effie popping back up as a love interest because I liked the idea of her just being her own character who's about the business and has her own goals that do not involve Tariq. A few episodes earlier, during girl time with Effie and Diana, I was also very adamant that like I like the fact that they're both over Tariq. Here we are. One episode after the other, they're now both seemingly back in with Tariq. And I don't think this story needs, at the moment, I don't think it needs this added tension. Like, it's almost, that's the soap opera aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, he he's not even, he's, what, is this like a love square? Uh, I mean, would, would that's you in the mix? Uh, I mean, I don't, is it a square? If it's, I mean, if it's one yeah, person involved with three different people, I guess it's a square. Or something, some type diamond. of weird shape. Yeah, but like I don't. It it especially with the 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 time in between interactions on this level. It it felt it felt weird and a little forced, especially when she convincingly told people, "I don't want to be at Stansfield for Tariq. I want to be there because I want to be there." Mm-hmm. To well, now yeah, it seems like all the only she wants to be there. And she yeah. told him that I I want to be there. I want to be here up here with you. So um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, it is a weird dynamic to go because I thought they was kind of going down the path of Effie and and Lauren, uh, not Lauren, um, Diana, Diana going it, and then all of a sudden, back to back weeks, Tariq is better than both. Um, so I, I am interested to see what the long term thing is going to happen when it comes to that. Like, what's going to be the long term outcome of? Because he's still in business with Effie. And I'm assuming a part of that business is that they, you know, have this intimate relationship. And what's she going to do when she find out that all of a sudden he's sleeping with Diana too? Is that going to, you know, how's that going to blow back on him? It's, it's unnecessarily reckless. Mm-hmm. It's like, this, I, I feel like it's, we don't need this. I get it. But like, we you got enough going on. Like, I feel like you got enough going on. And to make him juggle two women with a possible it's like you were doing very you were doing well with the storytelling and the tension like there's plenty of it we don't we don't need the love stuff right now we got that a little bit of that with um with drew as we see a little mm-hmm. later um monet and her love triangle uh sax and his you know sex buddy we don't need this like not now at least like let's let's get rid of a few other elements and then maybe slip one or two of them back in. Like he's officially bagged all three now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I hope you don't expect me to be like, good job, high five. I feel like it could have been avoided. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't have done it spread out throughout the season, but like it's we're still not even a full second season in. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty much a thing in Episode three straight episodes. I don't remember when exactly he did with Lauren, but I feel like he helped him with Lauren for the first time in the same episode. He got arrested, so that was episode five. And then six, he hit Effie, and yeah. then seven, he goes straight into uh, Diana. Maybe right. Yeah, I, I, my mind is not right. what it used to be, but I, I feel like it was. And if it wasn't episode five, it was episode four when he first picked up with Lauren. So it's been kind of in a succession of 
the three people in season one we were like, will he, won't he, who he's more, most interested in has turned into he's gotten all three. But he will. <laughs> he did. Mm-hmm. You know, no buildup, no no waiting, no unearned. Like, I think, again, writing betraying characters because they did a great job of painting Diana to be this, you know, this capable young boss woman, boss-driven woman, young lady. And she turns into a high school crush. Like, as soon as she steps in the room, like, after she, you know, gives up all the info on her family, she's like, oh, Tariq, I, I, this is all for you. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, she deserves better than that. Any any final thoughts on that before we get to the <laughs> the rest of the Tejada house? No, no, that's good. I mean, I think we, we kind of wrap that up pretty in a nice bow. So let's, let's right. hit the next one. So um, Those two fighting brothers. <laughs> man, I was, I'm an only child. You you have I do have brothers a, and I, sisters. I have a yeah, I have a brother, uh, you know, and a sister. But I'm I'm I never had this type of situation. I'm much older than my brother. My brother was okay. a, a good fourteen years younger than me. So me beating on him would be like, you know, beating on a kid when I'm a full grown man, so, basically. I feel you, but not do so much that. But just walking in, this was some childish. I've seen this play out with, with friends. Oh, when he turned the channel, yeah, he yeah. Just walked in, grabbed the remote. Oh, that type of shit. Yeah, yeah. That type of shit. You, but but that's um that's that's kind of um. Like, like I said, you're only child, but it's a packing order when it comes to families. And firstborn normally has to show their dominance over the younger kids. Uh, so a, a move like that, I, I have engaged in with my younger sister. Even though I'm much older than them, uh, I have engaged in that type of stuff. Where it's like, uh, I don't care what you're doing. When it's my turn to come watch TV, I'm going to come watch TV because uh, outside of mom and daddy, I'm the top dog in this house. Uh, so I think that was kind of like a flex move. And, you know, we already know uh, through his cattiness in the scene where uh, Mecca and Lorenzo meet and Drew came, he has an issue with his brother. Um, so um, I, I think that it's, that's what that's what it started. It started with just him being catty because he was trying to show his dominance over his brother because he's upset, but that his dad is kind of pushing him out of the business. And then I didn't think it was going to lead to the didn't like literally coming to fist the cuffs and tan at their mama house uh, and all that type of shit. Um, so, you know, you know that, that's pretty standard the, the, the coming in and changing TV channels or, or dominating the TV that, that, you know, that's standard brother siblings, you know, kind of situations, um, not necessarily the fist fighting though. But we get in that dialogue, what you spoke to earlier, um, you know, Kane being a, a brat and being like, Oh, you think you big cause your dad, you know, cause dad's on your side. He was like, dude, you're not as smart as you think you are. You, and what you said earlier, you're a guard dog with a new master. Uh, pretty much relegating Kane back to muscle status. Right. But it's also something we talked about well, that we kind of brought up earlier is like before we was kind of giving Kane credit for like being a mastermind because he had kind of got at least up on his own family. Um, but, all you know, really, he hadn't really done any of this. This is all at the direction of Mecca. Um, yeah. Everything he's been done that seems like a, a smart move has been because Mecca has kind of uh, dictated it, and um, and and Kane just kind of, not Kane, uh, Drew made him feel less of himself and realized like you you know you aren't a boss, you aren't smart enough to do this type of stuff. All you really are is an attack dog. You know you 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 can't really function in this world outside of somebody giving you some directions to do something, and that really kind of set Kane off because I think he wants to be more than he is, um, and I feel like he does feel like he's 
devalued uh, uh, because a lot of people just don't respect him as an independent mind. They just kind of see him as, you know, just a soldier as opposed to a boss. And we'll 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 kind of get a little more to that um, a little later mm-hmm. uh, as far as his his uh, his his uh, his decision making goes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's poor most of the time. Yeah. And, and, and it's also not well thought out, uh, like, like Ramirez, the Ramirez killing. The, re- the reason why Ramirez is dead because Ramirez said something that Kane didn't like. Um, and I think he insulted him with some type of, I can't remember what the exact insult was, but I know he said something to him that Kane wasn't really feeling. And Kane, out of emotion and just kind of reactive, killed him, as, even though that is not in the best interest of that family. Because Kane was like, not Kane, I'm sorry, Ramirez was like somebody that was helping protect the family. Um, but because he felt so slighted, he acted on impulse instead of using his mind. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's why uh, his dad picked Drew over him. I think that's why Monet only plays him as, as uh, at arm's length is because they know while Kane is really effective as what he does when it comes to, you know, the murder game or being an enforcer, uh, he, he doesn't always have the best mind when it comes to long-term thinking or, or problem solving. Drew pokes fun at this. Um, Kane pokes fun at Everett because he's not wrong. If Everett hadn't snitched, some of this stuff wouldn't have happened. Uh, this proceeds the, the the tussle, breaking glass and whatnot. And uh, Lorenzo breaks it up and's like, "Look, if your boyfriend's going to be an issue, he's got to be. You got to take care of that because, as we said earlier, no loose ends." Mm-hmm. So from there. We go to the Yasmin prep. This poor you know, I thought about I thought about you immediately when I saw her in her outfit, right? <laughs> Burberry Q. She had a Burberry Q. Q outfit. Oh, man. I came across a meme. It was like, she's going to be the flyest girl in, in foster care. Uh, but unfortunately, she's probably going to be the girl in foster care that gets beat up because her clothes are too nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be in foster care, this girl is fresh. Uh, but yeah, this poor girl bombs the uh the the prep hearing um and it's i feel bad because the actor is clearly older than nine years old and she's being forced to play this role of a very small child Mm -hmm. like the the age doesn't meet the visual not to say that kids can't look older than they actually are but this is almost to the point where you, you'd almost call him the question, is something up with this kid? Um, what did you feel about that and just that that plan? Not only crashing and burning, but Tariq deciding, like, no, we're not we're not doing this to her. I'm not going to put her through anything else. Like uh, yeah, to, to me, you know, this was another good scene of Tariq being a good guy, uh, seeing how affected she was by the situation. And not wanting that for a sister, and you know, really basically sacrificing his only. Because uh, right now, as far as Davis and Sachs have made it known, Yasmin's testimony is about the best option Tariq has is getting off. And see, he's willing to sacrifice that in the nature of like protecting the sister from the unnecessary emotional, uh, not abuse, but emotional torment from having to kind of be a part in a, a part of this this trial. Um, so you know, I got to give her for that. Uh, definitely, like you said, she's definitely the flyest little girl in the world. 
um, with that blue, uh, what is it, Burberry. Burberry. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, immediately I was like, man, I know Ron, uh, Triple D going to have a uh, comment when it comes to uh, her outfit because she definitely was wearing all Burberry Q stuff. Um, but I, I think that was the biggest part of it. Um, of course, we we knew she wasn't going to be able to stand up to the the, the, the cross-examination, um, but Tariq, once again, putting his sister before his own personal self-beliefs, uh, I mean, self-preservation, uh, per, I'm sorry, uh, shows that he is not all bad. Um, for all he has done to, you know, get what he wanted or to, uh, you know, always keep himself first, uh, his sister is always going to be a, a priority to him, so I appreciated that. As somebody who has a little sister, that, that is the one constant of all the craziness of this series. The sister has been priority number one, mm-hmm. um, even when that, sometimes they don't necessarily mention it, but she is his motivation. Um, so we get a quick scene between Kane and Monet. Uh, they're stuck. From the the events of the meeting, we find out that. Mecca is pulling all of his product and putting it behind uh, the Tejadas. So, like, the side stuff, it, it can't go through course correct, and they can't, you know, get their money up to pay Davis. So, they're stuck. Um, and she tells him, which the worst thing to tell this guy is, you know, if we don't get that money, like, we're, we lose our failsafe. So, what are you going to do about it? Um, what did you think about that scene before we go to um, Sax and Tamika in a in the coffee shop? I, I mean, I think the scene just kind of set up the it's putting their backs against the wall when it comes to Monet, Kane, and also Tariq because without course correct, he has no means to pay his defense, and then also Monet and Kane don't have any means to keep themselves out of the mix too. Because as much as they want to, and we see it play out in the later scene, as much as they want to try to distance themselves from Tariq, they're still heavily connected to him, and his innocence is going to kind of lead to their innocence. Uh, so that's, you know, it was just kind of a way to set that long-term thing up. All right. So we get a real quick scene between Sax and Tamika, where she genuinely wants to save the boy, mm-hmm. which, you know, she knows that this is a messed up situation. Uh, but she genuinely believes his soul can be saved. To which Sax has the best uh, question. Do you think he wants to be a better person? Which is a fair question. It's a very fair question given everything we know. Um, Because while, yes, he does want to, you know, take care of his sister and his grandmother, there's a side of him that it's like you can see. I mean, yes, I want to do that. But if I can do something that would be considered unethical to do it, I would prefer to do that than the right thing. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? I mean, well, this is a definitely a strong scene by Tamika. Um, I mean, it's it's good to see somebody who is generally because because she don't got to she don't got to be involved in this. She not get really getting paid by Tariq. Uh, I think she really just have his best interests at, at heart. Uh, so it was good to see that she is going on her way to kind of protect a kid that doesn't really have any protection from anybody else like at this point in his life his dad his dad is dead you know in his own hands his mom is gone wherever she is in a way's protection so he doesn't have a, a, a responsible adult figure kind of looking on him and, and granted he is 18 so he's an adult but 18 is still a kid to me you know 18 you're not gonna fully understand or, or grasp the concept the, the four aspects of your decisions and how they may affect your long-term life or how much life is ahead of you 
Because, you know, 18, we get 18, we think we grown. But we don't realize we just starting our adult life. We still got, if we lucky, 60, 70 years ahead of us. And our actions now can really have long lasting ramifications. Um, so it was good to see that she, you know, I think she generally does have some 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 fondness for him. And the same thing with Sax. Uh, Sax has been hard pressed on getting somebody in that St. Patrick family to go down. And it was good to see that he finally was like doing his role. Like his job is to protect his client and do what's best in, in the best interest interest of the client. And I think he finally kind of grasped that um, through Tamika's speech to him. And then also that if they help Tariq now, he may not be the monster that his father ultimately was. And what Saks, when he was a white knight or, or the good guy, you know, his whole goal was to get bad guys off the streets. And if they can stop a bad guy from being bad, why not take that effort now? Um, so, you know, I, I enjoyed the scene. Uh, I think it was really well done by, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bad, th- I, you know, knowing who the people are, but I think Tamika is a very good actress. And I also think um, Sax did a good job of this one as well. So before we talk about Drew's conflict, we gotta we gotta talk about the quick scene between um, Zeke and Diana. Where he said this, this Rick, Rick Fox, Fox looking Negro. <laughs> <laughs> and like rewatching that scene, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's all him. Like, I think this dude is playing Zeke. It can't, you know, is a good actor. I think we do get caught up in the facial expressions a lot. Because he played it straight, but like also kind of exhausted, and I think he did a really good job. I also, I kind of like the the dynamic a little bit between the two of them. It's very quick, but I don't feel like it's the first time where it's like she she feels she she feels like equals to the other two, to Drew and Kane, but she she kind of feels like a, a concerned little sister when she's around. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit refreshing. Um, any thoughts on that? No, nah, like I said, I think it was just like a little quick scene, just to kind of give some people some knowledge of some, as, as to what's going on. And the, the biggest thing that came out of this was that um, Diana gets the connection to D, because uh, I think he, I think the Zeke say that the guy says his name was Dante. Dante, right? So and I think she gets that connection to Monet. So she's gonna, I think Monet is gonna ultimately be the one to bust up the whole thing. Um, She's going. I don't know. If she's going to find out for sure. Or she's just going to kind of bring it up to her mom, whatever it may be. But I think that was just a way to get that information to her mind. Uh, and the rest of it was just kind of comic relief. Um, the episode had been kind of heavy at points. There's a lot of serious, a lot of seriousness that happened in this episode. Uh, so I think this was kind of like a comic relief, a, a quick comic relief scene, especially with the Thrick Fox comment. Um, so I think you know that that was kind of the purpose of uh, the entire scene as a whole. So Drew's conflict. Um, this was interesting because it, this, this kind of echoed those times Tommy was supposed to kill ghost, mm-hmm. um, or someone else <laughs> that he didn't want to kill at the moment. And you see, you see, he's ready. He's actually, you know, going to go through with it. But and wore a mask. I mean, killing the guy in broad daylight in the middle of a busy New York street might not be the best option. Uh, but at least he had a mask on. But yeah. Yeah. So, like, I was really like, wow. And, you know, the rate that this episode had been moving, I, was, I wasn't expecting Everett to go out this, you know, in this episode. But given what we know about this show, they're, they're going to find, a, he's got to find a way to kind of get Everett out of there. But you also have to remember that, like, 
if another Stansfield student dies, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to make things even hotter than it already is. Um, right. I mean, and I think it's also set up that that he's not fully gone. Like, right. you know, at the beginning of CBC, he you know commits a murder. I don't know if that's his first murder. Uh, he kind of did it in a, a cavalier kind of way. It was like he was like destroyed it all about killing a man. Um, but you know, you know, you know if, if Zeke, not Zeke, I'm sorry, uh, if ever doesn't text him, he might have caught the second body in one episode. Um, yeah. but it shows that he still has compassion. He still has love. Um, and I, I think it's kind of shown that for as much as his dad wants him to be a part of it, and he's not really built for this life. And he's not in the life because he wants to be a part of it, but he's only in it to kind of pacify his parents yeah. or, or, or or not lose faith. I don't know if it's face or because his parents want it. He does it. Uh, even though it's not necessarily his, what his long-term wants or, or needs are. Um, so, uh, so I'm curious to see how all this plays out. Uh, Cause nobody told him to kill us. Nobody told him to kill Everett from what I right. remember. I don't think his dad, his dad said Never this is a problem to figure it out. But nobody said you have to go, you know, get rid of him. Or he he's so much of a problem that he can't be around anymore. Um, so I want to see what's going to happen long term. And, and I also want to see, is he ultimately going to, you know, come clean to to Everett? Not that he was going to kill him, but like about his life in general. Because I think nobody can have a successful romantic relationship with one person being blind to what the other person is involved in. Um, especially when it comes to the level of stuff that they're involved in. That's true. We shall see how that turns out so we go from uh one tahada brother with a gun to another tahada brother with a gun and we get kane threatening mclean <laughs> and this I, I didn't the by the end of the scene i was like i had to stop and think about it. I was like what is happening like what like i couldn't figure out like why does this scene not sit well with me and it took me a little bit i was like yeah he's They've regressed him back to a dumb hothead. He accomplished absolutely nothing by threatening uh, McLean. Because one, McLean put together quickly that it's like, oh, it's the Tah- it's the Tahada kid that I've already seen. Yeah, immediately knew his game. And he still owes him money. Like, I thought he was going to come at it with, like, a lighten up on this payment. You know what I'm saying? Or I'll kill you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, tell my mom she don't need to bring the other half of that money. He's like, no, he made a threat. And then McLean judo through that, judoed, <laughs> jujitsued all through that. And was like, no, you need me. You can't kill me right now because I'm the only one that's, you know, keeping the, your name out of this shit. And I still want my money. What did you think about that scene? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I second to what you're saying, it's like, uh, once again, Kane thinking he's smarter than he actually is, acting on impulse and getting literally nothing accomplished. And the shows it, it kind of goes back to what everybody's been telling him. He's not a brain. Uh, he he's good in the role that he is, but when it comes to like being a smart mastermind, it's not for him because he, for one, didn't have anything on Davis other than a threat, and we know Davis don't really play that threat stuff. And then order immediately was known who he was. Like, he, he, you know, it, it was like a waste of time. Um, and then Davis also clearly explained to him, like, me helping, like, he wanted basically Davis to stop helping Tariq so Tariq would go down, not realizing that it, it don't work that way. The police ain't no idiots. Well, some police, when, when it comes to power, most of the law enforcement people, they 
play as idiots. Uh, but they're not really that idiots in the fact that, that they know Tariq wasn't involved in all this type of stuff. And if Tariq goes down, it's probably going to lead to other people going down. Um, so it's and his best interest is not for Tariq to go down, but for Tariq to get off and then he'll get off. Um, so Davis made him look like a fool. Uh, Davis wasn't really scared at all. Um, right. Like he basically was kind of mocking him, even though he had a gun to his head. Um, so it just showed Kane is not ready for the role that he wants in his life. Um, he's still in not qualified to be a boss. Um, and and it, that was just another showcase of that to me. Yep. So wrapping up with the Sahadas for the evening, mm-hmm. uh, we get the parents Sahada having themselves a nice little romance, uh, sweetness, sex in an actual <laughs> a nice bed moment. Uh, but while this is going on, um, a match of Call of Duty is going on across town. I know, right, man? They don't, that's what I'm saying. If, if Lorenzo got, not Lorenzo, if, if Mecca got these people at his disposal, there was like a full-on military, they got laser rifles, This, you know. Stun grenades. Right, you can tell these ain't no street people. These ain't people just, right. just kind of grew up in the streets and just know how to bust a gun. They were like right. military precision trained people. Um, and they easily took out the competition. So if he has this at his disposal, why is he wasting time with Lorenzo? Like, what does he need Lorenzo for? If he's supplying not only the product, but also the muscle, what what is, what is the, where is the, do the Tahadas come into this aspect of it all? Um, he seems to have a lot of, you know, hired hands, so I don't, I don't get that part of it. I'm just as lost as you, but, you know, we get introduced to uh, Lady Number Two, um, his, as in Lady Right Hand Lady Number Two, mm-hmm. um, who seems to be his muscle. Which I'm like, what happened to the chef? Hey, he got yeah. a bunch of muscles. The chef is one man. He got her. The chef. He up there. Is he got her. <laughs> he up there making sushi rolls. Right. He, he can't do all the work. But yeah, it just it it kind of went back to his introduction. You know the the random hangar full of Hot Wheels vehicles, and now he's got an army at his disposal with, you know, the best guns. Um, they even outload, you know, they even outfitted the the guy that switched sides mm-hmm. um, and put him in on, you know, on the hit, too. Yeah, I don't think they gave and us a name for him yet. I don't think, I think they did, but I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a lot. Um, speaking of a lot, we get Tariq being approached by uh, House Jenny, Sax, and Tamika with a, a deal. And, and to me, I don't think this is ethical at all. I don't. I don't think your the 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 prosecutor, uh, a lawyer who is not a part of your defense, and then one of your defense attorneys can just come to your house and say this is a deal. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it has to happen like in a in a court or a more public set. I mean, in a more professional setting. But them just bum rushing you at your dorm with a deal does not seem like that's something that will happen in real life. Um, so I was kind of thrown off the, thrown off by the way they approached it. Um, but the scene itself, I think, was another you know powerful scene. Uh, and and, and we kind of realize the uh the aspect of it all is like, yeah, it's easy to say take this deal. When you don't have to worry about the ramifications of you taking that deal, so yeah, it's easy to say, "Oh, you're only gonna do five years," but the streets gonna see him labeled as a snitch. So his time in jail ain't gonna be easy. 
not that jail can be easy for anybody and it does nothing to protect his family uh because yeah he might only have to do the five years but his sister is still wandering free in the streets his grandma is still wandering free in the streets uh so uh, you know you're trying to put him in a in a horrible situation that he can't say yes to um so i think while a lot of people might see the scene as Tariq just being selfish uh because he just doesn't want to take um responsibility for his action i think he is actually being the opposite of selfish because he's really going out of his way to look out for his sister and his grandma uh and not just his own best what's in his best interest what do you think of it i think the exact same thing i could have done without the ghost slander because i feel like this show is doing everything it can to make ghost this this demon which i mean ghost was a demon come on man he wasn't he, he wasn't good. He he won't a saint, but like you got to remember that his motivation throughout the show was to pretty much do what Tariq is trying to do now and get his family taken care of. Like that's the thing that blew my mind about like a lot of the ghostlanders. It's like, yeah, he did his dirt. Like there is no denying that. He was not innocent. But it's like there were other characters on the show who wanted to be part of the bad shit that Ghost was trying to get out of. And it's like people were still trying to shit on Ghost for it. The, the last thing Ghost wanted was for Tariq to be in this, which is like people, you know, it was like, well, he's a terrible father. It's like he did everything he could to keep his kids out of this life. Like mm -hmm. literally, like he didn't invite Tariq into this. Like he did everything he could, like a responsible parent to keep his his son away from this. His own son killed him, and somehow, like, his son is still the hero of it uh -huh. in other people's eyes. Like, uh, you know, like I said, like, he's he's definitely not innocent. He's got his bodies. He's got his horrible acts. But if you really watch, and it, it all goes down to, like, what they talked about in other episodes. Do the ends justify the means? Not necessarily, but it, it was one of those ethical conversations they have, like, can you justify doing the wrong thing for the right reason? Uh -huh. And when you really look at it, a lot of the bad stuff that Ghost did, especially in those last maybe two seasons, was to get himself out of this crazy, terrible situation. Like, you, you know, from Jump, episode one, he did everything he could to get out of the drug game. You know, he never, he never necessarily denied his involvement in it and his, the bad things that he's done. But it's like he, like most of the characters in this show, are trying to make their own decisions and make better ways for themselves. Aside from Brady, who's joyriding through hood shit. Right. Um, but it's like, I feel like my issue is the show, this show, is doing a, a lot of unnecessary kind of trying to make you picture ghosts as this guy that didn't care about his kids when that's the furthest thing from the truth. Like that's the main thing. It's like they, they, a lot of times when ghost is brought up, like they really try to make it seem like he didn't care about Tariq at all, which is just plain not true on so many levels. Um, but wrapping all that, wrapping that rant up, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the ramifications of him telling or snitching, it's it's bigger than you getting Kane in jail. Like there's other at you know there's other people at risk. Um, so it made sense that you know 
uh, that he didn't take it. Um, so from there, we're, we're almost, we're almost done, people. We get Kane meeting up with Tariq and pretty much giving him the heads up that, like, yo, the, the supplier's cut and we don't have product to give you. And this is one of those scenes where I was like, okay, because he, you know, Tariq's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, you're my supplier and your supplier isn't doing anything. How are we supposed to get this money? And Kane has done this a lot. This that's a you problem. This mm-hmm. is on you. you Figure it out. out. And that's this was the one time, especially when you see how Tariq kind of plays it. I was like, yeah, Tariq is gonna kill Kane by the you end. You think of the so? Series. Oh yeah. If he doesn't kill him, he's gonna mess. He's gonna he's either gonna get him. He's gonna shoot him, or he's gonna he's gonna get him messed up. Maybe this is the time we get to see Tariq throw some hands or something. Because Kane, or he's gonna get him jammed up. Because Kane has constantly been telling Tariq, like, you on your own. Like, this is our problem, but I'm going to make it your problem. So mm-hmm. you go figure it out. And the look on Tariq's face this time is like, nigga, I'm tired of this shit. Like, you keep giving me obstacles to jump through. And I don't even know how these obstacles came up. But you won't say anything other than go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on some bully shit. Like, go get me your lunch money. By any means necessary, or it's gonna be a problem. Yeah, I mean, and he still owe, he still owes from setting them up too, though. Hmm. Like you know, I say he still owes them from setting them up. It's oh, like, yeah. uh, so I, you know, I don't know what the long term game is. But I don't think their business relationship is long term uh, going to work regardless. Uh, you know, I don't think they trust each other, and I think Kane, for whatever reason, has this, this animosity towards Tariq that I really just don't understand. Other than Tariq was another outlet to, I, I I think I think it all comes back to Kane just being this insecure uh, child that does not get enough attention from his parents. Yep. Um, and I think when Monet started even showing any type of you know acknowledgement of Tariq's success or willing to work with him, Kane just felt a certain type type of way about it, and you know he's kind of been battling with that ever since. Uh, but like I said, yeah, he acts like. There's no big deal for Tariq to be kind of effed up, and that Tariq's being innocent isn't in his best interest as well, because um, he offers him no all type of alternative. He's just like basically figure the shit out, and you know I think Tariq will. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but he's smart enough, and we've shown that he's been wildly enough to get himself out of almost any predicament he's been into so far in the season and seven episodes we've been through so far. So I'm curious to see what's gonna happen there, because I know Davis don't play. If he's not getting his money, he's not going to do no work. Um, and I think we even see that in the preview for next week where he's like, yo, yep. I, I, you know, I, I'll quickly call the public defender if you don't have my money for me ASAP. Uh, so I want to see what's, what's going to happen with the long-term thing of that. And then also how willing Tariq, uh, I'm sorry, to cut real quick, but how willing that his other parties are willing to work with him when he has nothing to offer them, like the Effies. Uh, does Effie still care about Tariq if she can't have access to the product? Or she can't be involved in the business with him. Uh, does Braden still care if he can't have his fun gangster um, fantasies played out? You know, and they can't do that without product. So I'm, I'm curious to see how all this plays out. Them being cut off. So we we finished this episode with uh, McLean going to Milgram and pretty much declaring war on her. That's what this felt like. Uh, we find out that her name is on. The list of counsel for uh, or legal Lauren. counsel mm-hmm. for uh, for Lauren, and yeah, he comes over guns blazing, 
like putting it all on the table like pretty much telling her like you're screwed like one way or another my kind is gonna win is getting out of here and you're you know you're going down because you shouldn't have been involved in this as involved as you've been in this and it's already a bad look for you um the just oof the jabs thrown back and forth in this one um and we get confirmation that i do believe they slept together at one point because i think we we were questioning that uh when he came over earlier in the season yeah or it might have been like no it was the season when he came over earlier in the season um but he says like yeah last time i checked you slept with four people involved in this who in was this the case. fourth person i couldn't figure out that's what i couldn't figure out it was him Oh, that's who that he was applying as himself? So I know Zeke. Yep. Milgram. Whitman. I'm not Milgram. Reynolds. And Whitman. The white cop. Yep. And I, I had to think about it, too. I was like, it was him. It has to be him. There's no one else. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you slept with Sachs. We don't know about it. But, yeah. It was. That was big. That was big. Like, him pretty much just laying down the law. Like, look. It's. It's, it's either going to be us or it's going to be you. And mm-hmm. it's going to be you. What did you think about that that final scene? And Yeah, I think it was, you know, a lot of pettiness was in this when they talked about, you know, both of their, their, uh, promiscu- what is it? Being promiscuous. They're both promiscuous people. Um, but I think, you know, he laid down alone a lot. Because I think we, we didn't talk about it because it was a quick scene, but Saxon him found out some type of dirt. And I guess that's what the dirt was. That she is intimately involved. And she... For for one, she has the most to gain from somebody else taking her off for this because she was involved with Zeke. She does have past history with Reynolds. She could probably be a suspect in all this if if they were really doing like due diligence when it comes to this. Um, so uh, you know, I'm curious to see how this all's going, how it's all going to play out. Uh, you know, we only got I think three episodes left, so they do still have a lot of loose ends they need to tie up and not a lot of time to do it. Um, so I'm uh, you know, this was another solid, very solid episode. So I'm curious to see if they're going to finish this season strong or they're going to throw us a dud in there before we get to the end game. Let's hope not. They've been doing their thing. Yeah, pretty. I mean, as a whole, season five has been, I'm sorry, season five, I don't know if I said that. Season two <laughs> has been very strong. Um, and, and a lot of it is not just the Tariq uh, and, and his world expanding, but the Tejadas. The Tejadas, to me, are a very interesting group. Um, I don't think it's anybody in this. I mean, outside of Zeke, if you even want to consider him Sahara, I don't think it's anybody in that family that does not have a um, interesting story or is a dynamic personality. So I, I, I really want to see what they're going to kind of expand with that group of people. Like technically, this show could be just the Sahadas to me without Tariq, and it would still be just as strong. Um, so I, 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 I'm ready to looking forward to these last three episodes and see what they what they can how they're going to deliver on this or what they can offer us. Yep. Next episode looks like we're getting back to some. Some more shoot 'em up action. Um, so I'm with you. I'm looking forward to see what what may come because, like I said, it's been it's been full speed ahead since they came back from this break, and uh, I believe that either episode nine or ten, they're also going to premiere. What is it? Book four. Yeah, Force? I think it's the same night. So I think they're going to do a double header. February six should be the finale if if. It plays out the way it's supposed to play out to be the finale of this, and they probably do the Tommy series right after it if you watch it live. Right. Yeah, man. So another great episode in the books. Mm-hmm. We will be back to see you guys next week. 
we ain't gonna hold y'all. Y'all know where to find us by now. If not, listen to another episode. Well, figure it out. I can't be promoting shit all the time. <laughs> y'all know where to find us. Y'all know where y'all can reach us. Hit us up. So, as always, for myself, Triple D, and my co-host, this is Carlos D. We'll see you guys in the next. One.